excellent day for an exorcism. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Hey there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 94. And this movie that I'm going to be reviewing today, I absolutely love. I think this is a really great sequel to a very ingenious, very um, first movie that they ever bought out. I think there are some times when we look at sequels to movies and we think to ourselves, okay, this is going to be really, really awesome. And we realize that it's not the case at all. Sometimes they miss the mark entirely and you end up by sitting there going, really? I mean, there are some movies that I've seen, let's put it this way. Let's go with Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Now, we all know that that is the gayest horror movie ever to be released. Um, but it sort of like brought Freddy out of the nightmare world. And you know, he wasn't as terrifying as what he was in the original. But we sort of learned to live with it because it's Freddy and we love the, the Nightmare franchise. So we're basically sitting there going, okay, all right, we understand that. It's not what we were expecting, but let's hope that maybe if they make number three, that'll be awesome. And it did. The Number three was very, very good. This movie that they released, this was the 2003 release of Jeepers Creepers Part 2. Now, the original one, I was, as I said, I was absolutely amazed at the first one because it was such a unique movie. It was a such a unique horror movie to think that there was this um, terrifying creature, a demonic creature by the name of the Creeper, which we find out later down the track, that uh, can take on any characteristics of you when they when he grabs a hold of you, if there's something that he likes of you. He, you know, wants to, you know, get a hold of that. So we saw that Darius, you know, when he was killed in number one, he was, you know, he was hunted continuously for parts of his body that the creature, I'm sorry, the creeper liked. Now in this movie, the demonic creature is pursuing a school bus filled with high school kids. So, and the funny thing is, okay, they made a number three of this one, of Ravenous, I think it is. Now, Ravenous is the number three in the franchise, but actually... Parts of the movie picks up in the middle of number two. And when I say that, if you've never seen Revenous, I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's... Okay, look. Revenous number three has jumped the shark. And apparently they've made a number four, which has apparently jumped the entire pond. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody that has not seen Jeepers Creepers part three or part four. I have seen number three and I was less than impressed about the movie. I've read a lot of bad reviews about number four. I'm not really sure whether I'm going to watch it or not. Maybe I'll wait for it to come out on Netflix and, and not pay for it as far as a DVD. But I, I guess I've been invested so much in the franchise that I really do need to see number four. But it's really interesting with, the, with part of number three that does sort of like come into the number two of Jeepers Creepers. Very, very strange to talk about. But, you know, when we go to do number three, I'll obviously fill you in a little bit of that. Look, before we get started on this podcast, remember I am on Facebook at Horror Crypt Podcast. I have the Horror Crypt Cafe that you can come and be part of this amazing group. And also, if you want to get a hold of me and, you know, because I've got t-shirts and caps and beanies available for sale, you can get a hold of me at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com. And even if you just want to send me a little message to say, hi, how are you doing? I've looked through, you know, places in the world that I'm getting to... Uh, be heard at, and it's really, really quite cool. Even my own um, state of South Australia has got some people listening here in South Australia. So welcome, love that you're uh, 
you're getting close to where I'm living in South Australia. And I'm glad that you know people all around the world are listening to this podcast and really enjoying it. So look, before we get started, we'd love to listen to the trailer. So sit back and relax, because here is the trailer of Jeepers Creepers Part 2. Really? You check the other two. Make sure they're wired up good. A lot of good they're doing. <coughs> disabled out on East 9. Anyone read me? It's gonna be dark in about an hour. There's something going on out here and I don't like it. Every 23rd spring. What's it doing up there? For 23 days. I had a dream. He was trying to warn all of us. This thing has been around for thousands of years. Nothing has been able to kill it. It gets to eat. There are two classes of people now. What the will be eaten and the won't be eaten. Welcome to day 23. We thought it was trying to come in. But this freaking thing was making sure we couldn't get out. Looks dead to me. Jeepers Creepers 2. Now, one thing I love about this movie is that it's basically a revenge movie. And I think that in itself leads an awesome core of the movie that you really, you know, you're just not following this, you know, demonic creature um, by the name of the Creeper running around just killing people for the hell of it. There is a reason why this thing is being hunted and the movie is as i said it's it's it is a um revenge movie because we follow a farmer by the name of jack taggart and the reason we follow him so closely and his son so closely it will certainly be explained as we go along so the movie opens up where we see an idyllic um farmhouse sort of scene and there's a young boy uh and he's putting up the scarecrows up in the up in the cornfields to basically make sure that you know the the you know crows are not going to get in you know get into the corn and his father jack is really on him saying make sure that it's it's you know attached properly and stuff like that and jack's also using this whole punch of 500 where it actually punches you know huge blocks of huge wood um, pylons into the ground and of course when he goes to fire one it doesn't really go all the way in so he sort of like gets off the the hole punches uh machine and he says to the calls out to billy and says you know have you been mucking around with this and he's like no i haven't of course then he goes to his older brother jack jr 
which you know he's working underneath the car and he's like did you touch this and he's like no i haven't touched it and he looks over in the in the field and he goes billy i should come and kick you know basically smack your head in and he goes what did i do i didn't do anything but you know this movie uh, it basically takes place three days after the event of the first film and a day after the events of the third film now as i said to you this movie is jammed in the center and really when you look at the timeline with this whole movie they should have really look they, they can't redisperse this movie because number three makes more sense if it followed number one and number two now follows should really be following number three that would make more sense so the whole movie then just ties into this beautiful um cacophony of, of a movie but unfortunately we've got number one which is you know, I, you know, idyllic number two great movie number three uh, not too i'm not gonna say not too bad because it is but the thing is that it's sort of like it does it's now sort of like you know it's fragmented number three is okay as a movie goes but we should really swap them around so we do see that um this young boy billy is out in the in the cornfields and as he's you know putting up the the um, scarecrows you know there's his father saying you know make sure they're they're tight i don't want them to blow away you know in the first storm that we have and of course he he looks over and you've got a scarecrow next to him and then there's the third one down down the line and he looks over and of course you know this scarecrow has got you know two or three crows just sitting um on top of it and he's like yeah in fact a lot of good it's you know it's doing and of course as he starts to look now one thing i love about this movie is the fact that when you're watching any scene that you, you just know something's going to happen. You can see stuff, obviously, in the foreground, but in the background, you can see what's going on. So there's Billy, and he's hanging up these scarecrows, and he's trying to tie it up. And, of course, in the background where the third, skele- uh, where the third um, scarecrow is, it turns to look at Billy. And, of course, it's at that moment that he turns to look at it, and it turns its head back. So it's like, oh, okay. And it, you know, one of those things where, you know, you always almost have that thing like did i actually see what i thought i saw so billy comes down off of the the step ladder that he's, he's he's got and he walks towards the third scarecrow now as he's walking towards the third scarecrow the sun reflects behind the scarecrow so he can't get a good look at its face but you know because you got the the sun directly behind it but as he pans down from the sternum down to the feet you can see these claws that are sitting on the on the um the post with the scarecrows and of course the the um the the teeth the, sorry the, the feet um the toes actually start to move and it's at that moment billy goes yep i gotta get the fuck out of here so he turns to run away to the house now that the house is maybe 300 meters away maybe 500 meters away from from with the scarecrow but of course as he's running you can see this thing launch up off of the uh, the scarecrow pole and starts to chase down Billy and it's at this stage that he's screaming to his you know, older brother to come and help him and he's screaming to his father so as they hear the screaming they immediately run into the cornfield because also the dog's been barking for the best part of three minutes so they're trying to shut the hell the you know the dog up but the dog knows the dog knows what's going on so they run into the cornfield to try and find where the hell Billy is and he's screaming and everything and then of course it just goes suddenly silent and they're looking around and they're still calling his name Billy. And then, of course, they hear him being, you know, is screaming and he's being dragged. So they're now following the drag marks of where the hell Billy's being dragged to. And the closer that they get, that um, Jack gets to, to um, Billy, the faster this thing seems to be going. Of course, at the very last moment when they're coming up towards 
being able to get a, a close look of what the hell this thing was. This thing shoots up into the air with Billy in tow and flies away. It's at this stage that Jack's got a double barrel shotgun to fire, but you know, just you're just not going to shoot it because not only is it traveling way too fast, but you there's a good chance you're going to hit your son. But of course, you can see the despair and the disbelief of watching your son being taken away in the air, you know, attached to this thing that is that is you know flying away with him so it's really it's really upsetting and it's also one of those things where you know how if you have an argument with somebody and let's get a little bit let's get a little bit personal for the moment say you have an argument with somebody and you know you say something really hurtful to that person and then something happens to that person you know whether they're in a car accident and they might die or you will always have that feeling that why did i say that why did I say that that hurtful thing? Why was that the last thing that they heard of before they passed away? So really, um, Billy's you know older brother Jack Junior has that thing in his conscience where he said you know you little asshole I should come in there and kick your kick your ass you know but of course then the creeper goes and attacks Billy and flies him away. Now of course Jack Junior is looking into the air in disbelief of what he's just seen, but the the, the one that they really focus on is Jack, his father, and they re he you can really see on his face that not only the despair of not being able to save his son, because as the creature flies away with him, you can hear Billy screaming for his father and for his brother as he's being flown off into the into the uh, into the clouds and into the distance. So there is, you know, unfortunately Jack is just helpless. In the situation of, of what could I have done? There was nothing that he could have done whatsoever. Now, of course, unfortunately, it wasn't given a clear indication of the events of this movie. So really, what we're seeing, and I had to actually look to find this, this whole incident where Billy was taken was in day 22 of the Creepers feeding cycle. So now we realize that the next day, which is obviously day 23, because this thing only is only around 23 year, every 23 years for 23 days. So now the movie then transitions to the next day and a school bus is carrying a high school basketball team and cheerleaders and they're coming back from a, um, a high school, obviously a state championship and stuff like that. And as they're going along, their uh, tire just suddenly explodes. Now, as far as things go, you're in a, on a country road. There are things on the country road that can shred your tire, that can pop your tire. So this is not unheard of that suddenly, you know, a tire blows out. So they do, the bus driver does pull over to the side of the road and they get out to have a look at what the hell's going on. And of course, when they go to have a look at the back tire, the back tire is just absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, shredded. And the bus driver sort of like moves the tire off a little bit and says, what the hell is that? And it looks like a, a four-pointed star. But this thing, as they go to pull it out, it, it just it cuts the driver's hands. And she's like, I don't know what the hell it is, but it's sharp as anything. So they do manage to pull it out. Um, and it is. It is a four-pointed star, but it's like molded in the center. And of course, when they turn it over, the one of the other guys by the name, which is just, we'll go with just Coach, um, he he goes a oh, holy shit and drops the the star and they pick it up and there is a tooth embedded in the middle of the star so I was like okay yeah this this doesn't make a whole lot of sense but you know what you know it looks like it's handcrafted like someone has actually made something you know that, as I said that it looks looks like they've molded um it all together with um lead and stuff like that so it's, it's obviously a homemade article but it looks absolutely amazing I think the the, the set designers 
made an absolutely great uh, thing with regards to this movie. But yeah, this thing looks very, very creepy. So they're trying to they're trying to work out exactly what the hell they're going to do. So the the bus driver does go on and say, "Listen, we're disabled." on you know east nine when we'd, we're down and of course we, as kids do one of the kids goes why don't they just jack up the the t you know the, the bus and actually just change the tire and they're like yep no they can't do that with a bus it needs a mechanic to come out and and do that or they need to tow it somewhere else so of course what do we do a lot of the kids get off the bus to go and take a piss and a lot of the <laughs> a couple of the girls go out to have a smoke and stuff like that and they're trying to figure out well listen you know we can probably make it back to where we're supposed to be going if we just take it easy like if we go really really slow so they're like okay that, that's fine but of course it's the sun's going down it's getting darker and they're like okay well we've we really can't be on this road because if we you know if we someone comes flying around the corner at 90 miles an hour they're going to clean up us and the bus so it's like okay we'll just have to try and make it back as slow as we possibly can so they get in the um, they get in the in the bus. Everyone get piles back in the bus after a lot of the guys are sunbaking on the top of the roof, and they start their journey again. So as they're going along, a cheerle a cheerleader by the name of Minxie, she's she's happens to fall asleep in the bus. But of course, you see this very 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 bright light um, surrounding her, and it's almost like well that's not day it's not daytime and it's not car headlights. What the hell is it? Well, she's having a dream and she has a vision of Billy Taggart, the young boy that was um, taken by the Creeper, and of Derry Jenner. Now, Derry Jenner, if we all remember, was the person that, or the young boy that, or young man that was taken in Jeepers Creepers number one and obviously was um, for his eyes. And they are trying to warn her about the Creeper and they're trying to say to her, you know, go back. And as they as she's driving past in the bus, you can see Derry, and he's, you know, he's just standing there pointing in the other direction as if to say, you're going this way. No, 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 stop and go back the other way. But of course, as she's looking towards Derry, she gets flashes of Billy Taggart. And Billy Taggart's got blood all over him. He's got a very severe head wound, and he's pointing in towards the corn, along with the fact that you then get a, a switch back to Derry, and he's pointing in the corner to try and warn her there is something in there. And he continuously points back to go back the other way. So this moment we see the creeper running through the, the corn and throws one again, once again, another four-pointed star into the tire of the of another another part of the tire and blows out another tire. So it's like, okay, we are definitely not going anywhere. We've got now got two tires out and it is now dark. You know, because they, this, they've been traveling for a little while. It did get dark, and of course now suddenly both tires are shredded. So there's no way in hell they're going anywhere. Of course, the bus driver does get out of their bus along with the coach and the assistant coach, and they have to look in the tire. And once again, there is another four-pointed star. They pull the four-pointed star out of the tire. This time they turn it around, and would you know it? It happens to be a belly button, but it is Derry's belly button because he had a... Um, a rose or a half rose around the, the outside of the belly button. So we now see that, you know, the, the creeper has used everything of dairy that he wanted to, he wanted to. Um, and now his belly button is in this four pointed star. So it's like, okay, we've got no way of going anywhere. We're stranded. What are we going to do? So Betty, who's the bus driver, she says, well, listen, we've got to put, put, um, road flares out on the road because if someone comes flying around the corner at 90 miles an hour they've got to be able to see it so she starts setting um road flares but of course the the coach by the name of Dwayne um 
he decides, listen, I better go and start putting uh, road flares out to, to make sure that uh, things are safe away from the front part of the bus. And of course, we see that there's a car comes around, you know, around the corner rather slow. And the coach does go and says, says the, uh, the uh, older couple, listen, can you radio the police and just tell them we're stuck, we can't go anywhere? They're like, yep, no worries. Um, and they obviously they drive off. So the coach is in the middle of trying to you know, put the road flares out. And once again, it is this scene, which I think is really amazing the way they shot it. So you're watching everything in the, in the foreground. But in the background, you see the coach putting the flares away. Oh, sorry, putting the flares onto the onto the road. And we're seeing a conversation between the assistant coach and the captain of the basketball team. Then all of a sudden, you see this thing come down out of the sky, grab a hold of the coach and fly him up into the air. And you just hear him scream and he's gone. And of course, there's all the everyone, you know, the kids, the assistant coach, the bus driver turns around and goes, um, coach? coach and of course then you see the the road flare come from the sky and drop onto the ground so it's like okay what the hell is going on like where where the hell did he go now you know, of course yeah you know, people just don't fly away so hey we, we don't know where so of course you know the assistant coach has said because everyone's now off the bus you know because they decided listen let's get off the bus because if someone does come around the corner at a high speed and wipes out the bus we don't we don't want a whole lot of kids killed about you know the situation so this is when the assistant coach says listen something's going on everyone back on the bus of course betty's like betty the bus driver is like do you think that's a really it's a wise situation and he's like there's something going on maybe we should just get back on the bus and be safe there so of course they they get the kids back on the bus and uh, Betty decides that I'm going to go start looking for the coach. So she starts walking towards the back of the bus again. So as she's walking towards the back of the bus, we're seeing a conversation with a couple of the kids at the you know in the bus talking. And now we're watching the assistant coach and he is talking to one of the kids outside of the bus. Of course, in the background, we see that Betty is walking along along the road. Then suddenly this thing comes down out of the sky, grabs a hold of her. <laughs> Up she goes. And of course, then and you hear a screaming gone. And then, of course, we see the road flare come back onto the ground. So it's like, okay, something is really, really, <laughs> it was really happening. And of course, this is when the assistant coach says to one of the kids, what did you see? And he goes, what did you see? And he goes, come on, don't, don't bullshit me. What did you see? And he said, she flew away. And of course, everyone's like, the people just don't, people just don't fly away. It's not possible course at this stage the assistant coach is now at the door of the bus going to walk in and suddenly you see these huge talons grab a hold of him around the shoulders and pull him up and he's gone now so now we've got all three adults gone and the kids and when i say kids they're 16 17 year olds yes they are kids but they're you know they're not they're not you know 12 and 13 year old little kids they're they're they're, they're high school kids they're fine but now they are now left by themselves so now we're in a bit of bit of problems with regards to everyone has been has been abducted and we don't know where they're gone. We just know this thing is grabbing a hold of people and flying them away. So of course it's at this stage that a lot of conversations are going backwards and forwards, lots of screaming and you know what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Sort of situation. And then there's arguments backwards and forwards about well you know there's someone's got to be coming you know to to get us because that car drove away. They're going to let the state police know. The state police will be on their way. But they've also got a two-way radio system in the bus. So they're trying to radio anybody that might be able to listen to, to get them some help. And one of the guys by the name of Izzy. Oh, my God. If you see this movie, if you don't tell me that that guy looks like a young Rick Moranis, 
I will go heave because I swear to God, I keep you keep looking at him and going, oh my God, that's Rick Moranis <laughs> in a younger form. He looks so much like Rick Moranis is not funny. But um, so there's a lot of conversation, well, there's a lot, not, there's a lot of arguments, a lot of conversation going backwards and forwards. And it's at this stage that Minxie, which is the young young girl who had the original vision of uh, Billy and Derry, happens to look towards the front of the bus. And of course, we all turn around. And there is the creeper looking directly at them. But he was actually upside down. And I love the fact that his hat doesn't move, which is really cool. But he's upside down and he is looking towards the, you know, through the front window of the school bus. And of course, everyone decides to try and get out of the way. And of course, unfortunately, the creeper, when he had returned, he now singles out six of the students. So the six of the students are Dante, Jake, Minxie, Scotty, Andy, and double d now they are all going through and of course the funny thing is like you know he as the creeper is looking towards everyone he either winks at them or you know gives them the old finger as as like a, a, sh a shotgun um or smiles at them and of course when they get to double d deandre he <laughs> the the creeper actually licks the front of the window and it's like okay so now we realize that this thing has singled out exactly what they what he likes in different people so now we've got six other people that have now been um had of basically now been told that this this is your fate you are going to be killed but of course as we are being selected minxie happens to to suddenly just pass out and for no fault of her own what if we don't know why she's passed out but even when she passes out she has another another vision in which Derry tells that says that the creeper emerges every 23rd spring for 23 days to eat and i think this scene is really interesting because when she has this vision it's everything is going backwards she's now at the farmhouse you can see that you've got billy in the background you've got um jack jr in the background the father in the background the dog running backwards so it's everything is in reverse but now she's standing in front of if you can imagine it she's standing in front of the creeper she can't get a good look as far as what it looks like but she's standing directly in front of it and she hears this talking continuously in the background and that is at that moment she turns around and she has, happens to see Derry who is looking up towards the creeper and he's talking in such a way that it's it's like it's all backwards but it's so fast she can't decipher exactly what it is that he's talking about until he stops and tells her why she's having this vision and what she needs to do as as far as the information that he's got to let her know what's going on. Third spring for 23 days it gets to eat eat what eat what eat us now I really, do really love this scene because this scene shows you dairy and of course when she does say eat what and she turns to look at dairy you can see that his eyes are gone and you know you can see straight through his his eyes into the field so you can see that he's been basically sliced in two and this is when he says eat us and i think that's that's a really it's a very very poignant sort of like part of the movie and then of course this is when um 
Minxie comes to and they all say, well, you know, you just happened to just pass out, your eyes rolled in the back of your head, what the hell is going on? And she gives them the information about, you know, every 23rd spring for 23 days it gets to eat. This, this thing's been around for thousands of years, nobody's been able to kill it. You know, we're basically now, you know, almost a smorgasbord. And uh, so this is when <laughs> one of the kids, uh, Jake, actually happens to say, oh, sorry, it was Scotty, sorry, that says, uh, well, now I guess there is two, you know, groups of people on the bus. And of course, this is when Izzy, the young Rick Moranis, says, oh, what, those of us who are going to be eaten and who are not going to be eaten. And it's almost becoming a survival of the fittest. Like, who's going to get out of this situation? And the thing about this movie that I love is the fact that this movie really moves in such a great pace. There's not a point where you sit there and go, wow, this is just dragging its ass. It's it, There's always something going on. There's always some suspense, some some action that's going on. And of course, now the, after you know we see this whole thing going on the bus, we see that the creeper has come back, but as he comes back, he slams, like he, he lands directly on top of the school bus and blows out the windows of, of the bus. And the kids are all now trapped inside the bus. And one of the kids realizes that this is not the fact that this thing didn't want us to get out. It sorry, didn't want to get in. It made sure that we didn't get out. So it's basically like this thing has now trapped everyone inside this school bus. So when it decides to make its entry into the bus, it's a feeding, a feeding frenzy for it. The kids are not going to be able to escape because all the doors and the windows are now almost welded shut. You can't actually get out. You can't move the door open because the roof has basically compa compacted the rest of the bus so i was like okay we are absolutely not going anywhere so it's so this stage of the movie then transitions to the taggart's house and jake uh, jake taggart which is the father i'm sorry jack taggart which is the father he's sitting in front of a two-way radio and he's hearing police reports throughout the county and he starts to hear that there is some very you know strange police reports coming in about something on east nine so it's at this stage that he does say to Jack Jr., let's go, it's East 9, let's go, let's go. Because as we know, the, the fact that his son was taken on day 22, this is day 23, so he's so... But of course, this movie doesn't give us the idea or doesn't give us the information as to is this day 22 or day 23 or 10 years down the track. So we see that they jump into their, their car and they start heading down, when they say a car, they start heading down the highway in their, their four-wheel drive with a very awesome looking homemade um, bazooka on the back or a harpoon on the back of their car and it's the pole puncture 500 that is actually be used as a um, as a harpoon so as they're driving along they do happen to make contact with a school bus and the young guy who is rick moranis <laughs> we're gonna go with izzy um he says listen we're on east nine where something's very strange is going on something's attacking us something's trying to kill us you know can you can you help us and they're like well you know, you sound pretty far, the radio signal sounds pretty far, and East 9 is a very, very long road, but we're going to get to you, don't worry, and of course he's like, are you the cops? And he's like, N listen, we're going to get to you, and he goes, well, if you guys are not the cops, or not coming with the cavalry, you know, I don't know what you're going to do, but this thing is going to be hunting us and killing us, and, and of course... We also see when um, Minxie had come to, she did say that this thing is going to go back into the into the earth on day twenty three at day like in the morning. So whether whether it's you know two a.m. in the morning or three a.m. in the morning, whatever it is, it's going to go back into the earth for another twenty three years. So really, they really just have to wait it out and try and survive. 
for the rest of the night. Now, we don't know whether this is 7 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night, so we don't know what time frame they've got to try and beat the uh, the Creeper. So, of course, as we're watching the Taggarts head towards the bus, we see that um, one of the girls, Rhonda, has found a whole lot of javelins on the school bus, and they're like, oh, okay, we had javelins all along. What do you want to do? Do you want to poke it with something? You know, you want to poke this thing with a javelin? And they're like, well, at least we've got some defense. So as we are seeing this whole thing going on, the creeper attacks Bucky. Now, Bucky is starts to be pulled up through the the, uh, the, the ceiling of the of the bus and of course at this stage Rhonda stabs it straight through the head with a javelin and Dante begins you know prodding the creeper's wing now as as the as the javelin went through the creeper basically um, ended up by collapsing onto the school bus but it's opened a, a gap in the in the ceiling of the bus in such a way that one of its wings can actually go through the bus and everyone's thinking oh okay it's dead it's been stabbed through the head it's dead no problems at all and so you've got some kids on one side of the bus as in say so the back of the bus and some kids at the front of the bus. So now we're trying to get the ones from the back to the front. So as they try to get through, it's at this stage that Dante picks up one of the wings of the of the creeper to try and get the kids through. And they're like, well, it looks like a shower curtain. And he's like, shower curtain? It looks like tissue paper. Unfortunately, it's at this stage, the wing of the creeper grabs a hold of Dante and unfortunately decapitates him. So it's like, oh, awesome, because as he's being pulled up through the bus, every, all the kids are holding his leg, trying to pull him down, and, of course, the creeper's pulling him up. And, of course, this is when the, the head his head comes off, and the body comes down, and we think, oh, awesome, we've been able to, to save Dante. No, you see Dante's um, body stand up and try to is flailing around as if it's trying to fight off the creeper, and all the kids are screaming, as you would. And, of course, then the body falls down, and poor old Dante is headless. So it's like, ah, okay. So we also see that now the creeper has had the javelin through its head, so now only part of its head is is now visible. So what does the creeper do? The creeper then tears off its own injured head and uses Dante's severed head to replace its own. And I think it's really, really quite cool. However, you know, you don't see how it is that he ingests Dante's head because all we see is this thing grab a hold of him and pull him up. So I don't know whether the, the wing... I uh, was able to digest him or whether it, uh, the head was put into the creeper's body. But we do see that the head comes up from, you know, the sternum of the, the creeper up through the chest, up to the head. And then suddenly, wow, it's a brand new head ready to go again. So I was like, oh, holy crap. Um, so the students decide that's it. We're, we're going to leave the bus and find some help. And this is the, during the whole movie. They were like, OK, so if we just start running, we should be able to get away from this thing. And we'll and of course, you know, us of us who are watching this movie are like, no, I'd probably stay in the bus. But no, they're all like, OK, I think we can do it. We can start running in this direction. They, he can't grab all of us all at once. So let's just make a break for it. There's a farmhouse and they could see that there was a farmhouse you know, a way off in the distance, so they're all going to start running towards this farmhouse. So the students decide to leave the bus to find help, but the creeper returns and chases them into a field where it kills Jake and takes Scotty. And as, you know, it's flying along, it happens to, you know, obviously it's hovering in the in the air, and it throws this knife, and it goes straight into a tree, but it goes straight into Scotty's arm. So, and of course, the kids arrive to try and help Scotty, and they're like, it feels like it's welded, like this this knife has gone straight through his arm, and it's welded him to this tree. And they do, and you can see that the creeper is flying along, 
starts to come down towards the ground and is flying at a, a pretty quick uh, rate of speed. To this stage, that Jake happens to pull the knife out of um, Scotty's arm, but of course Scotty is is attacked by the creeper, who hits him at full force and takes him away. So it's like, okay, so we've we've taken Scotty. And at, at one stage, Scotty was being an absolute dick because he was really being very aggressive towards the other kids, saying, you know, about the fact that this is, you know, it's now uh, all for one, one for all. You know, and of course, if you want to go on, you know, you should start running with me into the field. Don't stay on the bus. You're an idiot, this and that. So really is with regards to us being the audience, when Scotty is killed, I don't think we're going to sit there and be all that upset because he was really being a dick. And there was also some racial uh, overtones or undertones in this movie. I think it was racial undertones. I don't know how you'd explain it, but he was on a basketball team that had a lot of African-American players. And he was really saying that the only way they got into the championship and that they won the championship was because of him. It wasn't for everyone else. And at one stage, him and Dante are having a bit of a, not Dante, Jake, is having a bit of backwards and forwards conversation. Well, a very aggressive conversation. Was it Jake? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. It was Double D. Double D and Scotty were having a backwards and forwards conversation or an aggressive conversation. And it's at this stage that Double D looks at uh, Scotty and says, I think you want to call me something else rather than just, you know, um, what you're saying. So you can almost see that there is the, he wants to let fly with the N word right towards him. And so you can see that there is, you know, because there's, there's a number of African-American players on the on the team. And, and the poor old Scotty, as far as he was concerned, he only got 12 minutes of game time in the championship. And it was really only him that got, to, got them towards the championship. So really, you can almost see that there is the, you know, these these players have given been given favoritism and stuff like that. So there is some undertones with regards to race in this movie. But of course, as I said, when Scotty is killed, you know, you're not going to sit there and be upset about it because he was being an absolute dick. So of course, the creeper then comes back and he attacks Johnny, Chelsea and Bucky on the bus again. And I find this interesting because they, they had stopped running in the, um, in the field, turned around and run straight back to the bus. Smart move. I would have done that too. You know, you're out in an open air, uh, an open area. How about try and control your situation? So go back into the bus. So Bucky does have a run back on the bus and he's banging on the door to be let in. Luckily, he is, he's manages to get through one of the windows and gets back into the bus. But of course, it's at that moment that the Taggarts and their dog, Mac, arrive. And as they, they arrive, you can see that the Creeper is now standing on the bus. And you see this huge bright white, bright light um, basically pointing to it directly towards the creeper and it's at this stage that he flails his his wings open and the camera then swings down to look at the creeper then swings down to see where this light's coming from and there is Jack Taggart standing there with this homemade harpoon gun he fires the homemade harpoon straight into the creeper and this is another great part of this movie is that because it happens at night time you can really see what's going on so when he hits the creeper th you know through the chest with this harpoon um, it's at this stage that the creeper then flies up into the air and he's basically going backwards and forwards across the sky from left to right. So as he's doing that, he's actually pulling the um, the, the four-wheel drive you know, along. And of course, you can see that it's flying this way and that way. And Jack is trying to reel it in. I don't know whether he's trying to reel it in to kill it even further, but he's trying to reel it in. But unfortunately, it doesn't actually managed to, to work because the creeper manages to escape after flipping over the bus because it's this stage that he gets a hold of um 
because the 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 four wheel drives on one side of the bus, and of course he then pushes it pushes the four wheel drive forward towards the bus, flips over the four wheel drive and flips over the uh, the school bus. So I was like, ah shit, okay, this is not going to work. So Rhonda, Lizzie, and Double D find a truck, and as they're running through the 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 open field, there was a a, a four wheel drive that drove past them, uh, and unfortunately he was killed by the creeper. I think he was like the very first. Um, person that was killed um, in this. So, of course, they find this guy's truck and they they attempt to escape in the truck, but unfortunately, they're chased again by the creeper. Now, I do understand it's an all-for-one, one-for-all sort of situation, but you think to yourself, if you're with maybe three people, you've got a fair chance, but no. Rhonda, Izzy, and Double D are obviously in this truck, but unfortunately, Izzy decides, well, here's an idea. We're being chased by the creeper. Let's give him something to go for. So he pushes poor old Izzy, uh, Izzy pushes poor old Rhonda out of the truck. So it's like, oh, <laughs> nice, you know, and Double D is in the back of the tray. So he's he's being, he's, you know, seeing everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, Izzy's trying to get as far, far away as he could in this truck. But it's like, wow, that's really nice. Thanks. You've actually just handed you know, Rhonda up on a silver platter to make sure that, you know, you can get away and he'll turn his attention to Rhonda. It doesn't work, though. It doesn't work because the thing about the Creeper is that he will only go after people that he has actually got something that they've, they've got something that he wants. So if he's if you've got if you've got nothing that he wants, he won't come after you. So when Rhonda is thrown out of the van, it doesn't matter because the the creeper goes, okay, yep, she's out of the van. I'm still going after you two. So this st he's still right on their their um their tail. And this is the whole thing. This, this movie is really it's edge of your seat. You're like, oh shit, shit, come on, go, 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 go. It's really it's really amazing. I love this movie. Uh, it's just such a shame. Number three was a pile of shit. Um. So of course, unfortunately, the the truck uh, the, the, the is unfortunately um, hits a tree, and of course, this causes it to flip over. Um, it injures both Double D and the Creeper, who loses an arm, a leg, and a wing. And although Izzy crawls out out of the record wreckage before it explodes, and you think, okay, well, Izzy, you should have died. You know, you just threw Rhonda under the bus, basically. You threw out of the vehicle. You should have actually been killed. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Double D tries to. Um, get away because double d was one of the kids that the creeper really looked towards if to say i want something you've got and so he tries to get away from the creeper but unfortunately the creeper is still pursuing him and leaping towards him now the re the creeper can't fly because he's lost a wing he's lost an arm he's lost a leg but he's still basically hopping to try and get towards double d to that stage that he does happen to get towards double d and pins him down because but unfortunately it was not unfortunately at this stage we still see that um, Jack arrives with his harpoon gun. Now we don't we don't know what how he happens to do this because the truck we thought was destroyed. But of course he gets there, and he does fire this harpoon, and it goes straight into the creeper's head, and he just travels quite a distance to this stage that Jack gets out of the um, out of the truck and repeatedly stabs the creeper in the heart, and he and when he say when I say stabbing, he just absolutely goes friggin psycho on this thing and i think i would go too you've just seen seen your child um taken away to, you know 22 days you know 22 days not 22 days a day ago on day 22 of this thing's feeding cycle so yeah i'd probably want to go bunter too but as he's repeatedly stabbing the creep the creeper in the heart and in the head it goes into hibernation state before it can die and this is when uh, minxie actually says it's not dead and of course he goes well it looks dead and she goes no 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 it just ran out of time. 
it, it its time is up on the earth it's now going back into the earth for 23 23 years so we now see the movie transitions over to um another four-wheel drive and it's coming up towards a farmhouse and of course we see that we've arrived at the farmhouse which is owned by the taggarts and the young kids get out and they want to have a discussion with Jack Jr. about uh, a little thing that they've actually heard about um, around the county uh, about this you know, something might be in the in the barn that they've heard about but they actually want to find out more about it and they'd like to see it. Hey Taggart. That's right. Can we see it? Can you read? Is this something real? I heard it was a bunch of bullshit. Still five bucks. Where'd it come from? My dad killed it. Yeah, but where'd it come from? It's five bucks from you, too. How'd he kill it? Ask him. Touch it. What's the story in this thing? Whatever you've heard, probably. You expect us to think that that thing's real? Don't really care. How'd you kill it? Stabbed it. Right through the heart. With a big homemade harpoon. When? About 23 years ago. You waiting for something? Three more days. Give or take a day or two. Now, one thing I love about that scene is that when the kids walk into the barn, and this thing looks like it's been is being crucified on the barn in inside the barn uh, door. Now, the sign above it says "Bat out of hell," and of course, if you want to look at it, 
it's five dollars if you want to take a photograph of it it's ten dollars so i don't think they're making a huge you know financial splash on this thing but of course when they do happen when you do hear the guy say we don't touch it they turn around there's you know there's um the father and he's he's looking directly towards this thing but he's the harpoon is directly aimed at it with um a knife the the front part of the knife and it's actually sitting there looking directly at this bloody thing so it's it's almost like okay jack is ready for it. the moment that this thing wakes up from its slumber he's going to fire this harpoon again straight into its head or straight into its heart and kill it so really i love this fact that you know jack is has he's had the revenge he's killed it but you know, the fact that Minxie has already said it's gone back into the ground, it's not going to be coming back for another 23 years. Jack is basically saying now, I am going to make sure this thing never, ever attacks anybody ever again. And I don't know whether this, whether number four leads on, because I know number three is a little bit disjointed. But the fact that he's sitting there waiting for this thing to arise from its slumber, and, it's going to, and he's going to fire this harpoon directly at it again. And I just love the fact when he says, you know, it's a you know two or three days give it would take a day or two it's like that is awesome because he is ready to go and he's sitting there and he's he doesn't only have the harpoon directly pointed at it but he's also got his um the 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 thing that he was using to stab it in the heart as well so he's ready to go um i don't know how it's going to go down but i would have loved to have seen the movie pick up and so if they had made number three when they made number three I think they should have picked up right from where this left off. So you see Jack sitting there and he's waiting for it to come. And of course, it then starts to come alive. And this is when Jack, I would, this way that I would make the movie, Jack would get up out of his chair, walk over towards the harpoon, hold on to the harpoon, get ready. As soon as this thing opens up its eyes or, or stirs, bang, you fire it again straight into its heart. Now, whether this thing was killed right then and there or whether it suddenly becomes, you know, something else, I don't know. But it would have been a great way of starting this movie up, but uh, number three up. But look, that being said, from a, you know, from a standpoint of a movie, this is a really, really great movie. Now, I was looking as far as the, the budget of this movie. Now, the, the budget was $17 million, but the box office took between $63.1 and $120 million. I'm telling you, this was an absolute brilliant movie to see. And, and from a scale of zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do I get the last 104 minutes of my life back to five, it was a perfect movie and I'd watch it all over again. I, it's, it's so hard, but I, I'm going to give it a five. I'm giving it a five out of five because it was that good. The special effects, the makeup, the, the, the storyline, even down towards the very last part of the, of the movie, it, it all tied in so well along with the little cameo that you get from Derry. Um, I think it was just just such a great movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And I would recommend anybody, if you've never seen Part 2, please, by all means, go and watch it. If you've never seen Part 1, for the love of God, what are you doing for your, with your life? Go and see Number 1. See Number 2. Number 3, I can't give you the recommendations of seeing Number 3. I am going to watch it again, because well, I need to do it for the podcast, but I'm not sure whether I'm really going to be wanting to... I put it this way, number one and number two, I will religiously watch. Number three, I've seen once, and I'm going back to revisit it again. But after doing it with the podcast, I'm never going to look for it again. I really am not. But, you know, that's that's me. You know, other people might see number three and go, wow, that was an awesome movie. Yeah, it parts of it were, were, I guess. I can't really remember it, but I've got to go back and revisit it. So, you know. But anyway, before we get finished on this podcast, we have to do Paul's Fun Facts. <laughs> 
like any bit of uh, trivia in this movie, this movie has 70 pieces of trivia. Some of them very, very interesting, um, but I'm not going to go through all 70. But Victor Salva, he's the person that wrote um, the movie, he wrote that every 23 years, for 23 days, it gets to eat rule in the Jeepers Creepers 2001. So there would not be a sequel unless the movie was set in the future and that he knew that the studio wouldn't want that. Now, I didn't realize that Francis Ford Coppola was also a producer of this movie and he actually found an easy loophole. He set it during the same 23 days as the first movie. So this movie is set on the 23rd day for the purpose of not making another sequel. So I think that's very, very interesting that, as I said, we didn't know when we see first see this movie what day it is that um, Billy's taken to what day the bus is happening. So we really didn't know. But now reading it, yeah, you get a, an idea that this whole thing happens over the space of Derry was taken day 22, Billy was taken day 23, the bus is attacked. So that makes more sense when you look at the purpose of this movie. So I always find it interesting where there are scenes that are designed and built, but they're never shot. And I think this movie... This, this part of the movie would have been really great to have seen, but they didn't go ahead with it. So, after the students abandon the bus and run away from the creeper, some of the teens were originally to stumble upon an abandoned military bunker with a similar setup as the church from the first film. So, if you remember, the church is where the creeper was throwing all his bodies down the pipe. There, they'd stumble across the creeper who was in the middle of eating the dead body of an athlete. The scene was storyboarded and the set was even completely finished, but the scene was ultimately not shot. I don't know why. That would have been really cool to see that. I'm, I'm really not sure why they didn't go ahead with it. But as I said, I'm not a director, so I don't know whether you know it was going to slow down the movie. I don't know. But I think that would have been really, really quite cool as far as, as seeing it. And I find that interesting that Victor Salva, once again, who wrote the movie, referred to the school bus as the Creeper's Lunchbox. So I think this is another reason why... One of the kids said, you know, this thing was trying to get out, or trying to, you know, making sure that we wouldn't get out because it wanted to come in because it was the uh, it was the creeper's lunchbox. So I think that's really an interesting little take on that one, too. Now, if you remember the very first movie, we're going back to the first movie for a moment. So Trish and Giselle. Now, Trish was Derry's sister and Giselle was the lady that had those the visions of, of the creeper. So originally, Trish and Giselle from the first Jeepers Creepers would hunt down the creeper for the sequel. That would have been awesome. While the school bus full of teens terrorised by the Creeper was just a subplot. But the more Victor Salva worked on the script, the more the bus, the bus plot became more interesting. So unfortunately, he decided to scrap Trish and Giselle and concentrate on the, bu on the bus entirely. And I think, you know, I don't know whether that was a perfect idea or whether it was you know, idea. I don't know. I mean, I you know, you read these sort of things and you think to yourself, I wonder how the story would have gone on. I wonder how different the movie would have been. Because when Derry was taken away, you, you did see Trish have that venge the the vengeful eyes of, you know, I can't believe that he's gone and I could have stopped him and this and that. So really those two would have been an awesome combination to try and hunt down this thing, but uh eh, it didn't work unfortunately. They just decided not to do it. Now the station wagon that the Taggart Senior the Taggart Senior finds with the roof peeled back has a bumper sticker that reads, I'm not a complete idiot, some parts are missing. So this was the, the van that came along and 
the coach said, listen, can you please go and tell the police that we're stuck down on this road, we can't get moving, and he drove off, but he, we saw the bumper sticker that read, I'm not a complete idiot, some parts are missing. A reference to the fact that the creeper eats parts of people to replace parts of its own body. So I think that was interesting, because when you see it, you just you immediately have a giggle to yourself, because this guy doesn't look like he's, he's playing with a full deck of cards, but now we understand that that's the reason why they made it, that um, it's to replace its own body parts. So that's that's quite quite interesting when you read that sort of um, thing in the movie. Just a couple more to finish off of this podcast. So one of the reasons why the Creeper did not want to murder the cheerleaders is that Victor Salva did not want to drop the monster cliches of capturing women. He just wanted the Creeper to capture the host Betty because the absence of all the adults would make the teen survival more interesting. And I really do think that is good because he they eliminated all the adults pretty early on in the movie. So it was all just based around how the teens were going to survive in this situation that they'd been uh, thrust into and they're now facing. Now the production team was afraid to record the cornfield scenes during the late afternoon because the cornfields generally harbour rattlesnakes. So the scenes were filmed at sunrise and a colour filter was used to simulate a sunset. And I think that's a great way of doing it because I don't want to be tackling friggin' uh, rattlesnakes as well either. And just one final one, you can see the creeper now has brown eyes due to them being taken from Derry Jenner in Jeepers Creepers Part 1. So that in itself is another one of those little little, little things you can you know, hark back to the original movie. But look, as far as I'm concerned, Jeepers Creepers Part 2 is a 5 out of 5 movie. I would thoroughly recommend anyone that has not seen this movie to jump on and see this because you will not be disappointed. Thank you once again for coming to visit me at the Horror Crypt Podcast. Remember... I'm on Facebook, Horror Crypt Podcast, and I've also got Horror Crypt Cafe. You can come and um, join the awesome Facebook group I've got there. And if you do want to get in contact with me directly, horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com. In the meantime, thank you once again for coming to visit me, and I say it every single week, and I'll say it one more time. I'll creep you later. Okay, search party, before we set out, let's take a moment to humor the children. Kids, your father's going to be just fine. Okay, everybody, put on your corpse handling gloves. We've got two frozen bodies buried somewhere in this mountain.